0: Hey, y'all, it's me, Jess Bubaco, and I am excited to be here with you on the Waking Up with Jess podcast. Each week, I'll invite you to wake up to your inner knowingness, get creative, and march to the beat of your own drum in your business and life. We'll dive into different subject areas from business, to health, to work, relationships, and beyond. On the podcast, we'll get raw, honest, and real, keeping it a little bit personal, a little bit educational, and most importantly, we're going to have a lot of fun. Each episode, you'll feel like you're sitting down at a coffee shop having an intimate conversation with a few of your best friends. Join me each week as I act as your confidant and friend who loves the heck out of you and wants to see you shine. Come along and wake up with a cup of Jess. Hey everybody and welcome back to the podcast. I am very excited to have Jenny Crowther with me here today. We're going to be talking about the m- new moon, the last full moon we experienced, and who knows what else will come up today. So, Jenny, thanks for being here with me. Hi Jess. Hello Jess's audience. This is a nice <laughs> nice new
1: place for me to be.
0: I love it. You know, it's interesting. Um I was just thinking the gene key 4 and probably just the gate for in general, which we're going to talk about today with the new moon Mm. has been very elusive for a lot of the people that I work with. It's one of these gates. I found a lot of people kind of don't fully grasp or understand until something happens in their lives where they go, Oh my gosh, I get it now. So I'm actually excited to be talking about this energy. I'm excited to be experiencing it through the next new moon that we're going to have. And, um, yeah, I think this will be really powerful. So before we kick off, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your design? I'm sure most people have heard you on Emma's podcast, but anything you want to share about you?
1: I mean, ba- the basics are I'm a splenic projector. Uh, I'm non-motorized. So I have none of the motors defined. Um, my I'm a five-one profile uh, and I'm on the left angle cross of the Clarion 2. So Beautiful. for those that know... Anything about crosses in design? Ra was on the left angle cross of the Clarion One, and he was also a five-one, but a manifesto, as I'm sure many of you know. Uh, so I'm kind of the flip side, if you like. I I think of people who were born on my birthday, uh, which is the opposite of, opposite side of the wheel from Ra's birthday, as the yeah the feminine version of that, of that cross. His his uh, personality son was the Gate Fifty One, and his. Personality Earth the fifty seven, and I'm the flip side of that. So he was shock first, but gentleness underneath, and I'm Mm. gentleness first, but there's a level of shock underneath my delivery. Uh, Someone someone said to me the other day, "You're so gentle, but like real talk gentle, like not soft, fluffy gentle. There's like a there's a harder kind of truth edge, like a little truth bomb underneath there." Yeah. So yeah, so that's kind of how I. uh, how I roll how I come across
0: I love that I was just thinking as you said that about the um like the gentleness and the softness um versus the harshness it's really interesting to be able to see other people who have a similar incarnation cross to you and how they explore and share their incarnation cross differently like Mm -hmm. even um I've met a lot of people who have the right angle cross of the vessel of love one, which is what I have. And then um, I have a slew of people born right around like June 23rd. Mm-hmm. I think that's the two. I'm assuming it's a two, right? It's,
1: gosh, I should know this because my best friend is on this cross. I can't remember. Yeah, I think it might be I it think four? It's, the Maybe two. it's four. No,
0: I, I think it's the two. It's the two. I just Googled it yeah. really quick. Good. Um, but it's really interesting to see the differences between what they're, they tend to have similar kinds of work or working in similar places and then have these, um, it's almost like I've noticed a lot of people who have the right angle cross of the vessel of love one, which would be the 25 and the 46, the sun and the mm. 25 on uh, sun, the earth and the 46 on the conscious side, having, mm. um, a lot of people talk about the nervous system and I've seen a lot of people with the 15 and the 10 talking even about things like money. And so it's just kind of interesting Mm -hmm. to see and, and always growing and changing and evolving in that process. So it's really kind of cool to be able to look at the similarities and incarnation crosses with people born close to you, people who have it in other area, uh, you know, other, whatever, section what are they called when you call I don't even know different sections of the year so whether it's quarters of the year that's it um I'm not as familiar with like the different when the incarnation crosses hit during different times of the year but it is kind of cool to see those similarities and be able to cross compare like Mr. Rogers has the same one as me I'm like oh I feel similar (laughs) to him we both have kids things going on so Anyways, I digress. Yeah, but.
1: No, I completely agree with you. I really, it's, I mean, I I see, you know, the way the way I sense these things, you know, the way I sense the the mandala, the way I sense incarnation cross, and then like the the geometries of the incarnation crosses is very like I'm making the sign of like a double helix, like a, you know, like there's some incredible sacred fractal geometry to all of it. You know the the way that the there's these four vessel of loves at the solstices and the equinoxes and the the power that's coming through those beings that have come in on that cross is part of the dance of the four of them and then of course the dance with every all the rest of creation. but yeah, yeah. and 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 the way that the left angle crosses, there's only two there's not four possibilities yeah. for it. so that again, the left angle crosses have a, their own different kind of geometry, different. If we could see, you know, if we, if only we could see the fractal or see the shape. Yeah.
0: Which I guess we can, we just have to more so use our third eye to perceive it. Right. And and get quiet. Do you think that there's any level too of like feeling sort of a kinship with human design or feeling, um, I don't know if kinship's the right word, but like a deep connection and resonance with it because of the fact that you are on the same incarnation cross as Ra.
1: Yeah, I can really understand why I'm drawn to him and why I don't f- get triggered by the way he speaks like a lot of people do. I know a lot of people find it very just hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> but because of, I've got so much, I mean, I also have the 51 in my South Nodes, both of them. So I'm very comfortable with very direct talk. I'm very comfortable with being shocked. I'm very comfortable with having that kind of, it's almost playful for me and deliberate like I kind of like it yeah um so yeah but for sure I think there's something to do with the fact that I have strong activations of those energies in my chart that makes me comfortable with Ra and the way that he delivers his material and I understand him I I understand what he was doing uh, and yeah and I like it it resonates with me really
0: okay so now I have this is I know we're going a little off topic but we'll come (laughs) back around to the moon. (laughs) I'm just like very maybe interested. the moon's just an excuse just maybe <laughs> let's so, pretend to talk about the moon but actually just have a chat <laughs> but we do have to talk about the four because I think the people yeah, listening who sure. are confused by it are going to be so jazzed about it mm-hmm. um but I'm actually kind of curious because of the fact that you know, when I look at, so when we, if we're just, so everybody's kind of oriented towards this cross, because I actually think this is important to talk about human design and some of the language that's used in it, because I do find it can be challenging for some people. And then you're able to kind of bring in going like, yeah, I've been dancing along these energies and this incarnation cross my whole life. And maybe even in a different way than raw being a projector mm-hmm. and being a manifester, bringing different perspectives, also living in a different period of time in a different frequency in a different gender body yeah Yeah. different meat suit different time period like all the things I often wonder so just so everyone's oriented with the left angle cross of the clarion we've got the 57 the 51 the 62 and the 61 Mm -hmm. so whatever arrangement those are in Mm -hmm. I've often wondered because he has the 62 that was sitting at the base of his chart. So he had the, that was in his unconscious earth. And I've often thought about how important the energy behind words are. Mm -hmm. And I've wondered to myself about like, was, I don't know, was he living out the higher expression of the 62 or the lower expression of the 62? Because I think So I think there's confusion sometimes in the way that he shared human design, some of the language he chose, like you don't have a choice and the way he presented it and probably paired with that 51 was a little bit Mm -hmm. shocking to people as well as I think an interesting choice of language, but maybe the purpose was to use shocking language to help people see something and create enough of a disruption to... Mm -hmm change their behavior but i'm kind of curious your thoughts on that because i've often wondered like was he living out the shadow of the 62 at certain times i don't know so what are my i don't thoughts know if you have on thoughts on that but i'm kind yeah. of curious
1: i have thought about it um because of course i see the 61 and the 62 and the way that they play out and so i think i've spoken about this on the podcast i do with emma about um the way that the 62 translates what the 61 has understood so the the questioning of the mystery of life and then the 62 very uh concerned with the small the detail the facts the logic th- that together that they create that translation and also it's visual so you know the wheels that i created that we spoke about when we did emma's podcast together that's my 61 and my 62 translating the uh The holographic nature of the mandala into a a clear, logical, visual representation that people can engage with. And of course, the mandala already does that. My version was just me working it through for myself. So, the fact I feel like the information coming through Ra, yes, it was to do with where he was, you know, literally in Ibiza over this design crystal bundle in this thinker that he's living in at the time. At the time of the supernova, where the information is my understanding of it is amplified through this massive design crystal bundle and he just gets the full brunt of it. So his abil his ability to translate this unbelievably complex download into fairly simple visual representations like the mandala, like the body graph, is one part. He also had to name everything, you know. Think of think about that, think about this miss eight day mystical experience where you are literally shown behind the curtain you're shown the the mysteries of everything and then you have to find a way to put that into language that other people can uh can connect with now at the time he this is late 80s early 90s we didn't have there was no one who understood not self and not self there was no one who understood you know the mechanics of themselves in the way that me- human design allows us to so yes he's speaking to the not self and he acknowledged I believe many times that he was teaching to the not self he's also a manifester he's here to have a huge impact he has the 51 personality son so he's here to shock and so I do think that the language was of its time and deliberate but I also think that Like I I don't, for the most part, reject the language of traditional human design because I feel like the vibration of the words that were chosen, I I feel like if I'm rejecting them, that's something in me that hasn't quite understood the vibration of the word. I actually feel like if I'm being triggered by these words, it's just a word, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's just a collection of letters in Mm -hmm. a particular order. So I'm curious, like I gravitated towards the gene keys for a, a large part of my journey with these systems because of the kind of the transformational way that Richard Rudd has used the language. But actually now I'm resonated back more towards the human design traditional language. Like I'm interested in really getting skillful with keynoting because that's what the IHDS and what traditional human design is saying. It's saying There is actually a frequency carried by a particular, and if you put certain keywords together in a certain way, and if you understand them, when you say those words with the full understanding of your being, you will also transmit in the same way that Ra transmitted. And if you listen to any of Ra's original students, they were like, we would sit there for nine hours. He would not stop talking. I didn't take a single note, and yet it all went in. Yeah. It all went in, and so for me, my my curiosity in terms of my uh, my understanding of this system is: can I get to that point? Not obviously the point that Ra was at, because you know he was on a he was the being that brought it in. But if I'm a clarion and I'm part of this lineage of, and, and Ra was Ra was told, you're the clarion that's bringing this new information into the world. And so I'm also a clarion and I'm also in this fractal. So can I develop a similar skill with the keynoting, the traditional keynoting, so that when I say the words that Ra used, uh, internally, the understanding is transmitted through the tone of my voice, which I think is where I would want to get to, you know. So I don't have a problem with the traditional language. My understanding is that I haven't quite
0: embodied the the full frequency of that word yet. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I was just looking in the background as I was hearing you talk because it's it you know, when we kind of got on here and going like what's going to be the golden thread of what we're going to talk about today. I'm like I'm just interested in hearing the words that you have to say because I think you bring um I don't know if this is this is the word I want to use which would I don't know if I'm using it because it's the clarion that we've been talking about, but there's like a clarity in the way that you speak to human design that I think that um, at least helps me to go like, oh, that's an aha in my brain. I think that I get, I've actually, this was like a big thing that I happened upon today. So I was listening back to some of Holly Marie of the Manifestor community. She has the Manifestor podcast. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I was listening back to some of her trend, uh, her podcast yesterday and I was having these moments of like, I think a big part of me has rejected the idea of being a manifester because of, and I have the 51 that sits in my, um, act, uh, my prosperity sequence. It mm-hmm. is in my, uh, vocation. Mm. And so when I first started my business, I like came out strong. I was like, here I am, here's what I'm doing. And there were some people that were really turned off by it. And I had some, some things happen that along the way, I just was like, I shouldn't be embodying this manifester energy in this way. And I don't think raw translates it a way that I resonate with and things like that. But as I've come back around to it specifically this morning, so it's no surprise we're having this conversation. I've realized, oh my gosh, I've been rejecting aspects of this because I don't like I don't know if it's my fourth line. I'm a four, six. I want to love everyone. I'm a vessel of love. I don't like the idea of being rejected because of that strong energy that I bring. So there's been years, probably over the last five years, just this pulling back and this pulling back and this pulling back and this pulling back. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's I, I love what you're saying about this idea that potentially we have to look at some of what might be triggering us behind what's being said in traditional human design language. I think sometimes you have to be mindful because I've found that it's easy. It's been easy in my life to like almost gaslight myself to like Mm -hmm. then not trust myself and my own intuition when I'm like, well, but that person saying that thing. So that should be true. And I should, if I'm getting triggered, it's always me. Um, I think there's kind of like a fine line between needing to learn to listen to your intuition and your body, Mm -hmm. but also to understand where the growth edge is with the thing you're encountering.
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think what you also, what you alluded to in your kind of origin, what you originally said about the no choice piece, you know, I think that's also what people reject a lot when they encounter, you know, the, this, you know, because he really was bashing people over the head with it, like, you have no choice. And I, don't I, you know, just last night, I'm listening to an audio book by Sadhguru called Karma, and he speaks perfectly to the, to no choice in his own language. Of course, he's not using human design language, but he, he says, he uses the word inevitable. He says, the present moment is inevitable. When you really inhabit the present moment, the, the exact fraction of time that you're in, it's inevitable. Yeah. It was always going to be like this. It was inevitable. And then he says, Is the next moment inevitable? And he says, It is not. It is a million possibilities, the next moment. But the moment you're in is inevitable. Mm. And so I think when I, the way I understand no choice is that. The, w- the moment I'm in, which is the only moment, moment I'm ever in, because that's what we get, right? I mm-hmm. I could not be in a future moment because when I got there, it would be the present moment. And every single time, the present moment is inevitable. So that's my understanding of no choice, is that you are where you are. <laughs> this is yeah. what is happening is happening. The way you feel is how you feel. The way your sacral is responding is the way your sacral is responding. The way that your mechanics are, Interacting with the field of life is the way that it's reacting. Like it's like your emotional wave is doing what your emotional wave is doing. You can like it, you can ignore it, you can try and repress it, but it is what it is. Yeah, (laughs) my spleen has its own preferences. Yeah, I just have I either go along with them or I override them. But the 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 no choiceness I think in is twofold. I think it refers to the mechanics. We don't choose how we feel or what our sacral or spleen or whatever responds to. That is not a choice. That is just us coming into alignment with it. Uh, and also this, I think it's the mind that exists in all time that rejects the notion of no choice because, of course, there is possibility in the future that's not here yet. Yeah. But where we are,
0: it is what it is. Totally. You know, it's, it's interesting because I feel like this is something that's been described in a lot of different texts and even thinking about the gene keys, like Richard Rudd says, you can't change the, the, um, kind of can't change the script. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He said, maybe, might, maybe he says you can change the script. I don't know. Basically it says you can't change what's happening, but you can change your perspective on it. And you can Mm -hmm. change the way that you look at it and you can change the thoughts that are going on in your mind or whatever it may be, but you can't, you can't change the storyline essentially Mm -hmm. of what's going on, but you can change how you view it and how you perceive it in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Something to that degree, but you know, it makes me think about the idea, even of the shadow, the gift and the city, they all exist at one time. When we're looking at the gene keys, Mm -hmm. it's not about changing the moment so, that if I'm in the shadow, let's say, of intolerance with the Gene Key 4, and I'm feeling that intolerance, it's not about changing the situation so I find forgiveness. It's about shifting my perspective so that I can see something, I can see a different potential that's happening within the same situation and scenario that is right now.
1: Mm-hmm. I also I mean, I'm pretty hardcore with the no choice thing, as in it doesn't scare me and it doesn't freak me out. And I kind of like it. So this uh, the language that you're using, like you can change your perspective. You can change the way that you're relating to it. From from my perspective, that also falls under no choice, as in sometimes we relate to it in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that is not available to us. and We can't always we can't choose how we're responding, but sometimes the way that we respond or the way that we're interacting with what's happening to us is different, has changed, is muta- mutative, you know? Yeah. So I'm very hands off the tiller. I'm yeah. not driving the boat over here. But I also appreciate that that is not a comfortable place for a lot of people to be. Yeah. And I don't think they need to force them try and force themselves to be there because... <laughs> you they have no choice in it anyway, whether or not, yeah.
0: they, you know, well, you know, it's interesting that I was, uh, I've been just playing with different systems, different people's words, different, like just exploring. Mm-hmm. And I was reading, um, about integral human design, which is mm-hmm. Richard Rudd yeah. paired with a couple of other people. In I German, remember.
1: Germany. Yeah. Yes. I can't remember the names, but
0: yeah. I was reading an article, um, I think Richard Rudd had written this article, but in it, he spoke about this idea that throughout time we've been, this is how I received it. I don't know if this is exactly what he said, but this is how my brain translated it. We throughout time have um, looked at like even Chinese medicine, we're talking about meridians and we're looking at how people are wired. You come in, you have a body, you look at it through Ayurveda, you have different doshas, We've kind of been okay with this idea that people have different makeups when it comes to their body. We look at genetics. And so it started to actually shift my own perspective as well, because I think sometimes people look at human design and go like, oh, it's a personality test. And like, it's based on the stars and the moon and the planets and, you know, the people maybe who aren't fully there yet to understand it. But when he compared it to this idea of like, we're okay. We're okay with saying that people have different genetics that change their predisposition to a disease or an illness or whatever. We're okay with saying people have different doshas. We're okay with going and getting acupuncture and Chinese medicine and acknowledging that we have these energetic pathways. Why wouldn't we think that the wiring of the personality and the body and how the body responds to life would be different for every single person on the planet? Mm -hmm. So 100%. Yeah. It, I don't know why it just sometimes, you know, again, that transmission, sometimes you hear something in a different mm-hmm. way and you're like, oh my God, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, you talked a little bit about programming partners and you were talking about how the 61 and the 62 interact. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked what you were saying. Do you want to share a little bit about how you view programming partners and how those opposites kind of dance with each other? I mean, I don't know if they're always opposite actually um
1: they're quite often they are if you know if we're looking at a body graph that usually the electromagnetic the harmonic gate is an opposite frequency because that's what creates the electro or it seems like kind of opposite um but I don't necessarily know if programming partners, even though they you know sit on the opposite sides of the mandala are or are opposite in in their. Nature, I think they com- they're complementary. Actually, is how I think I would like. They're balancing. They're balancing energies. Like if you if you're all shock and no gentle, you're not going to get anywhere with anyone, right? You're just going <laughs> to everyone's going to be all on the defensive. And if you're all gentle and no shock, you're not going to cut through. The gentleness is going to be like what? Just nothing. Yeah. Candy floss. Whatever. You know. It's no substance to it. No actual nutrition in there. Yeah. So I yeah I really like the 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 balancing of these energies and i mean if we if we do ever get on to talking about the moon um, we can get into it now we could start to talk about it there's yeah. still the the balancing effect of uh you know the sun the moon and the sun pulling the water on the planet and creating you know and then the earth rotating inside this water bubble this like elliptical water bubble which we perceive as the tide coming in and out, but it's actually the earth spinning inside an elliptical water bubble, mm. which is the pull of the sun and the moon. And mm. just, oh, there's, they're everywhere. You know, when you look at these uh, balancing opposing forces, I mean, that's what human design says, right? It's not a universe, it's a biverse. Everything is in polarity, duality. It's all balanced.
0: Mm. Everything,
1: everything yes the yeah. gates on either side yes they're balancing each other but also everything
0: <laughs> yeah i um i've never heard that i've never heard it explained that way before so that's super interesting and um let's talk about the let's talk about the moon and what's going on mm-hmm. and what we're coming upon on this new moon that's going to be coming up the 15th mm-hmm. is that the date 16th, that we
1: well on? it might be it's the it's 9:38 in the morning uh According to UTC Universal okay. Time Constant, which is what used to be GMT, uh, okay. based on London winter time. But sixteenth um, of August it'll be here. Uh, that's ten thirty eight. So yeah, it'll be sixteenth of August for you guys as well in the US. Okay. Amazing. Maybe on the other, maybe Australia and New Zealand get it really early, really late on the fifteenth.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. But I, I I think of it as a twenty four hour period really in terms of. Um, the energy, like the potency of that energy. Yeah. Um and we yeah, we should talk about it because it was the moon that kind of brought us together. And we I feel like uh the where we are now. So we're in the we're actually in the Lionsgate portal today, the eighth of the eighth, mm-hmm. uh, as we're recording. And we had this kind of inkling that the moon might want us to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then it's in August in 2023 and it's the there's two supermoons full supermoons on the 1st and the 31st the 31st is also obviously a blue moon because there's two uh four moons in a calendar month and then we we're talking about this micro moon in the middle so when we say what's a full moon it's when you know the full face of the sun is shining on the moon in such a way that we can see it and what's a new moon well it's when the moon is facing the sun but it's got its back to us so we can't see the light mm-hmm. so the moon is between us and the sun and the the superness or the microness of it, the super is saying the moon is as close as it's going to get in its orbit to the earth, it's at its perigree. And when it's a micro moon, when it's new, it's on the other end of its orbit. So it's at its apogee, it's as far away as it's going to get. So that's basically what it's referring to when we're saying, oh, it's a full supermoon or it's a super full blue moon, all of and a micro-new moon, all of this is about the, the position of the moon in relation to us and the sun in mm.
0: this cosmic dance that we're all in it's going to be interesting to feel into that experience of like really close and really far away and that mm-hmm. like that dance of energy this month because um from a numerology perspective we're in the month before this like really cool alignment where your personal year number and your personal month number kind of come together so if i'm in a 5 personal year then September is going to be the time when it's a five month and a five year. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, it'll be interesting to see what kind of, and that sense it's for everybody, everything lines up for everyone in September. I know for myself, I actually was tracking when I woke up this morning, I'm like every September, something changes in my life. And it's like perfectly timed with fall. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how these energies sort of play on And shift things within us as we Mm. emerge into a new season this sort of like celestial alignment for ourselves so
1: Mm. and it's interesting that the the full moon uh at the end of the month the 31st of august is uh it's in your channel it's the 3740 is going to be activated by that full super blue moon so wow (laughs) it might blow your ship out the water (laughs) Jason.
0: listen I'm here for it I was just I just did a little (laughs) mini podcast because I have been my emotional wave has been like all over the place the last couple of weeks but Mm. I looking back I'm like oh I see how it was inviting me to shift like Mm. big high highs and low lows that have been inviting me to like make changes I would have never made had I not been in that emotional low so
1: yeah I love it I'm, I mean that, that that chemistry, right that emotional chemistry is
0: the change agent for sure, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and I understand the no choice with the emotional wave the most, so yeah, yeah, amazing, so, uh, okay, so let's dive into it I
1: mean i'm I can invite you and everyone else to look back at the first of August um in the the full moon because it was it peaked in gate nineteen, uh, which is the gate of wanting or it's very sensitive kind of tribal gate in uh, in the root in human design and and yet when we're talking about the 24 hour period the moon is in a new gate every 11 and a half hours so we tend to get two or three gates around the new i tend to look at the gate that it's in and the gates on either side uh, and you know if anyone uses the wheels of the year from the from Emma's podcast that I produce for that you'll see that 19 41, 13, they're right at the um it's the human design new year basically. It's the start codon in gate 41 and then into the quarter, the first part of the quarter of initiation. So it's very new, like it, it's the energy of launch, it's the energy of start, it's the start codon, it's like go time, you know. Um, and I i I know this <laughs> about the that gate, and I've used the 41 to launch things before to inter like to to say i'm running a retreat i'm doing this i'm doing that i usually launch it when the moon is in 41 i hadn't quite factored in that this was a full supermoon that the moon was basically in in 41 so i uh, put out uh information i basically launched bookings for my retreat my human design retreat in february it sold out in 48 hours
0: i've wow. never known anything like it yeah it
1: was like in and gone yeah (laughs) and i can you know just put that down to the coincidence but also my meditation teacher he launched a retreat the same day His also sold out within 48 hours and so there was this unbelievable potency of if you were riding that wave of start on the 1st of august whatever started it's almost like (laughs) it was on fast forward like super supercharged
0: Okay, that is crazy because now I actually had something really significant happen on August 1st and I didn't realize it until you were just saying it. Um, I literally had to like go back and actually look at the calendar and I'm like, holy crap. But it was, to be honest, it was the start of the end of something. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Very cool. Mm. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was my, I was,
1: and also interesting that, you know, we'd spoken about, starting to think about the moon so i usually just think in terms of the mandala i don't really usually focus on where the moon is in its peak but i was just like that is pretty obvious to me and i always find that when i put my attention on something it becomes obvious to me Yeah. and i think we can know anything by just putting our attention there for long enough and being curious enough to see what comes rather than looking for something we just look at so yeah so that was my observation of. Uh, the power of a supermoon if you're in alignment with the energies
0: isn't what you just said to some degree the process of the moon because the moon reflects energy back to us mm-hmm. right or it reflects the energy of the sun or the the light of the sun back to us so it's kind mm-hmm. of like exactly what you just said mm-hmm. is the process of what the moon does that receptive that being that looking that contemplating that yeah just focusing attention so i love that
1: yeah yeah, really cool. Um, I mean, if anyone wants the the next full moon doesn't quite hit the 41, the, the, the moon will be in those gates that I just talked about, 1940, uh, 41, 19, and 13, uh on the 28th of August. So just before this the full supermoon on the 31st. But I still also feel like I don't, this isn't me mentally calculating necessarily. I get the sense in my body and then I check the calendar. It's like I I'm I feel in. I get a sense of what's coming and then I will generally just check the transits and I'll be like, "Ah, there it is. That's why I'm feeling like this. That's why I I get, I'm getting the urge to launch because I can feel that I'm, I'm already feeling that, but for me, it's always this retrospective process of confirming what I'm already sensing internally rather than me mentally planning ahead. Yeah. So I wouldn't ever, I wouldn't launch something with this moon in gate 41 if I didn't feel like it was correct. You
0: know, yeah, just because totally. my mind said, you know. Um, you may have just said this and I may have totally missed it. I'm sure, sh- I actually think you did. Is it that the, the, so the moon is in a gate and then the nodes are in certain gates. So it was the, so when you say those three gates, you said the- 14... I'm talking about
1: the 24 hour period where the moon is. So we're talking about full moon. Okay. And it, the moon is going to be in three gates in the 24 hour period of its fullness, okay. you know. Gotcha. It's going to peak in one gate. But the gates on either side of it, I think, are still significant. Okay, gotcha. Okay. So if you look at the the wheel of the year, you'll see the gates on either side of it. So yes, gate nineteen, but also gates forty one and gate thirteen. Okay, amazing. So when we talk about gate four, we're also talking about the gates on either side of it, which is gate seven and gate twenty nine. Okay, okay, amazing. Do you know. I love, I really love what you've just said about four being a mystery because it's one of the mystery gates, I also think. Um, it's, it's something that's eluded me for a very long time. And uh, I had a session yesterday, which is always the way the universe brings me the right information at exactly the right time with a client who has four as their personality son.
0: And so I, get, I got to watch it in action. I'm curious. Yeah. How do you view it? Like, what is, what's your experience been like with the four? So the four,
1: like, again, like I say, it's not in my body graph, like in in definition in my birth chart, it's something that I, I kind of have always found the I Ching name for the youthful folly, quite mysterious. Like what is this youthful folly? And what I've understood about the, this youthful folly is the idea that we deserve an answer. We should have an answer because we want one. <laughs> That's kind of how I view this. For so, if you, if in human design terms, it's receiving the questions of sixty-three, which is the gate of doubt, and it's formalizing them into some kind of answer to answer the doubt, like the skepticism. This it's the beginning of the scientific process or the questioning process. It's this logical hmm. Is it though I want more information? That's what doubting is. It's like, I'm doubtful about this information that I'm receiving or I'm doubtful about this thing in society. It's the energy to mentally question something. It's and, and it's a logical pattern, so it's like, we need to retest this pattern. I'm not sure that this stands up anymore. you know? Yes, this has been received wisdom for decades, but is it really accurate now? Can we retest the pattern? So it's that it's the beginning of that process in the sixty-three, and then the four is the energy that starts to uh, to formalise some way of logically testing the pattern or making sense. That's what it's supposed to be, create the formula. But it, my observation in it in its. Immature state is this youthfulness, this this immaturity to it, which just wants an answer. Like it doesn't even, it's not even bothered about going through the logical process. It can't, like it's like because then you've got to go into the whole rest of the logic circuit, right? It's got to go there, it's got to go through. It's got you've got to be in the nine fifty two for a bit. You've got to concentrate on the details. You've got to go through the eighteen fifty eight. You've got to go through the process of like perfecting and perf- there's a whole process of testing. That has to go on with this pro- with this logical circuit but if you just want everything dealt with at a mental level without actually bothering going through the hard stuff you get this youthful folly like just give me the answer like i just want to know and so my observation of how this can play out is whenever i'm talking to someone with a strong four activation they already know there's no sense of mystery there. They're not that interested in the mystery or the, the openness or the curiosity. There's just like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, it's obvious, isn't it? Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Even when they're being given new information, there almost seems to be this already new that kind of flavor to it is what I experience. Because there's this youthful immaturity of feel like they, they just don't want to be embarrassed. they just, there's almost like, I, I daren't say that I don't know. Yeah. I'm embarrassed that I don't know
0: yet. That's a Yeah. That's an interesting, I'm just reflecting on the few people that I know that have an activation of the four. And I'm actually kind of wondering more from like a curiosity that might be interesting to look at too, around like mental anxiety. Mm -hmm. So that certainty that you're talking about, because I don't want to have to be uncertain in a certain way. And I'm just thinking too, as you're talking, I'm looking at your, um, Mandala and the wheel that you created on your website, which we'll link as well, and just kind of looking at like the seven and the twenty nine. I'm such a visual person that it's helpful to kind of see these together. And it's interesting that like the gate seven, which we're I think we're in the seven now. We are the in the seven with the sun. Yeah, like they're the seven to me is just listening. Like it's all about listening and guiding from listening, and then you kind of hop into that four right next to it that again could potentially do the exact opposite of it. And it's youthful folly, as you're saying. Um, so it's kind of interesting again to, I think the, the beauty, uh, two of what I love that you bring is like being, I think it's easy to want to see a human design chart or the moon in isolation. Mm-hmm. Like this is what's happening with the moon today. I have the gate four, but there's so much that's happening in the dance before and after and the opposites yeah. and the, yeah. sort of the geometry of everything that's happening at one time in this cosmic soup that we're dancing in. But I think we've learned to kind of isolate specific things and look at ourselves through the lens of specific things mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. almost seeing the specific things we have in our chart in relationship to the greater whole of what's going on in the cosmic soup, cosmic dance. It's all
1: relational it's all you can't isolate any part of it it's all relational
0: yeah totally and and
1: and that's just a level of complexity that most people are too tired to go to it's my observation most people are like just give me the simple answer just just give
0: me the one thing and i'm like well it's all relational it's all interdependent and at the same time thank god we have certain people i was saying this to my friend amanda the other day which you know amanda i was saying you know people talk about like the idea of like neural link in the future where you just like put a mesh in your brain and you click a button and you know everything. And I'm like, or that there's like a movie about that, where somebody Mm. takes a pill and they like know everything. Anyways, I'm like, Oh, it's, um, it's not the, with Scarlett Johansson. Where she's a drug mule and that, the,
1: yeah, I think it's that, where she, she becomes fully conscious. She, her brain goes to, is that the film? Lucy name of
0: the film okay I've never seen it I just know of said movie oh my god watch it yeah <laughs> done <laughs> so good. Um, but like I think about it and I'm like but thank goodness that we don't all have a conscious connection to everything in the moment we probably have unconscious connection to everything because like why would I even talk to you why would I have you on this podcast why would I interact with anyone we'd all just sit mm-hmm. around being like what do I need I, we don't even need it. Mm-mm, nothing would happen. yeah, I mean, what we're craving, this
1: this omniscience that people seem to be craving, I want to know everything. That's what the original state was. We knew everything yeah. in the original state. This yeah. whole binary dance was created, and the forgetting, and this is my interpretation of what's happening, was for, created so that we'd have something to do, yeah there's nothing to do if there's no there's no action there's no journey there's no there's nothing it's just omniscience
0: yeah
1: yeah the original yeah. state You're
0: so right. chill yeah. guys
1: with you, you, get with you back there at with, some point with you answering you know that feeling like i have to know i have to know i mean no you don't
0: not really because yeah. if you did know everything then what's left to do yeah nothing and then we go back to our original state. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think what we're looking at when we're talking about the 16th of August with the four, but also the gates seven and nine kind of shouldering it on either side is this energy of, because the, the 29, which is where it goes after the peak of the new, uh, is the, the abyss. You know, it's double water in the uh, in the hexagram. It's the deep within the deep. It's, it can be dark in the abyss and it can be, you know, the currents can wash you around. It's very watery and very unknown. And I don't know if anyone's seen that Netflix thing, the Deep deepest breath, like going down into the deep abyss. It's terrifying. But, and so with the four, if you're really not getting caught up in the fours, just create any answer so that the doubt goes away which is kind of it's just just give me an answer it's kind of the youthfulness of it just I can't be bothered with the whole process so just give me an answer and then the the 29 is like deep in the sacral so it's not even in an awareness center it's in the sacral center it's a a deep response or not and I think will be my feeling around the new moon is there's going to be like a feeling of voidness if we actually Mm. tap into it like not A feeling of something but more a feeling of the empty everything yeah that's my feeling around it like the it's almost like the einstein quote you know the more i learn the more i realize how much i don't know and i think there'll be a there's a potential for for us to have that realization you know that i
0: am profoundly ignorant We had a quick little interruption, but we're back. Okay. And now I don't even remember what you were saying because that just threw me off. So carry we on. We were talking about the more we learn, the less we realize,
1: the more we realize we don't know anything. Um, that sense of uh, comfort with our own ignorance. And um yeah, just, I love it. I, I, I remember when I used to think that I needed, I mean, I, I'm completely open, Ashna, I think you are as well. This, the the time, the time before human design, when I used to think I needed to know everything, I needed to be certain about anything. I used to pretend like I knew stuff, argue with people just to make myself feel like I knew something. And now that I couldn't care less about knowing at that level, you know, at that mental level um, of having something to say or having an opinion or having a, you know, factual whatever I just it's so relaxing to me to be uh ignorant like a child innocent actually goes along with that there's an innocent ignorance there's a willingness to not know uh, because we don't actually know what's going to happen until it's happening This is where I think
0: just circling back even to the beginning of our conversation, where this idea of like no choice and the present moment being the only moment is actually Mm -hmm. like the most beautiful Mm -hmm. gift to be Mm -hmm. able to lean into because it is, it's like, well, I thought I knew that I thought I, for me, it usually comes in the form of like, I thought I was certain that I wanted to move in that direction or do that thing Mm. from my mind. Mm -hmm. And then my body is like, I only know the moment. And I only know, like I was saying before, there's been certain things that I've chosen to do where I'm like, why am I doing this? But my body is like, this is what's next. And I know your mind doesn't understand it. But, and again, I think that comes back to what you're saying is like, the more I know, the less I know. And the Mm -hmm. more I learn about my design and my mechanics, the more I can actually surrender to it versus Mm -hmm. trying to force my life to go in a certain direction
1: yeah yeah and you know there's a frequency in um that we there's a there's a frequency behind everything that we can tap into whether it's the frequency of something that we perceive in the manifest world or something someone's saying there's a frequency behind it that i'm personally more interested in you know i think Mm -hmm. this Tapping, and I, I've done this quite a lot with my uh, one-to-one clients in the last month. Really, is encouraging them to find their own inner anchor—the thing that actually anchors them in this life. Like, what are you actually doing here? <laughs> like, what what matters to you? And if we, if you can get some access to your own anchor. Then everything else, like we're talking about the, the gate that comes after the 4, the 29, if you're in deep water but you have an anchor, at least there's something, you know, holding you, and it's usually from the heart. The the anchor almost certainly is, you know, in the language that I would use, is in the heart. There's a deep something in the heart that mm. is, and my, my human design take on it is that we're actually activating, we're actually accessing the uh the trajectory of the monopole like when we're when we're in the heart when we're tapped into this deep deep sense of anchorage or what we're actually here for what we're doing here my understanding is that we're able to perceive the frequency of our own monopole whether or not your G is defined Mm -hmm. Uh, i think we all have the ability to access that frequency if we if we get deep enough
0: It's two things popped in my head as you were saying that number one, I've found that looking at, um, from a gene keys perspective, I mean, it's human design as well, but like looking at my purpose, the unconscious earth Mm -hmm. has become a really good anchor for me, especially because it sits at the bottom of the entire Mm -hmm. gene Mm -hmm. keys profile. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is I hadn't really thought about this too much before, because like I said, I've. I've learned the mechanics of human design, but I think there could be a lot more depth for myself that I could continue to go into, but I never realized that the magnetic monopole actually sits in the gate too, mm, Yeah, which is the gate of allowing in the gene keys. I think it's the the gift of allowing. No, it's mm. not. It's dislocation to orientation, to unity, I believe. Mm-hmm which is amazing. Cause again, it comes back to that point of like, it's not just us. We're in relationship to everything. And so it's the magnetic monopole. The purpose is to bring us into unity and orientation with all of life. Yes. Yeah. Deeply
1: receptively into that alignment. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. just
0: being able to sit and listen into the heart because to be, you know, it's interesting. I think about defined versus undefined centers often because like while I have a very defined G Center, I think I know who I am. But how often does who I think that I know that I am impact my direction in life? Versus, you know, somebody who maybe is like, I don't even know who I am. Where am I going? Like it's it's almost kind of all a big cosmic joke because I think I know where I'm going, but do I? Yeah. Oftentimes the answer to that is no, but my mind Yeah, because how often do you end up where you thought you were going? To be honest, I have had a huge plot twist in my life that I'll share on the podcast <laughs> probably in a couple of weeks. I don't know, but like, I've had two huge plot twists. It would be fun to actually map back the dates that they happened on I'm, I'm going to do that. with mm. um, these plot twists where I'm like, I didn't think I was going in that direction, but here we are. Mm-hmm. And then as I've entered in, actually today was the first day I started in one of those plot twists. And, uh, which is, I didn't even realize I was going to be starting on eight, eight. And I was like, of course, um, I'm like, I, I mentally know why I am. I, 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 my mind didn't know why, but now as my body is in it, my body has this knowingness of like, oh, I, I don't know the full picture, but I have a bodily knowingness that this is exactly where I'm supposed to go. And there's, there was a gap between like initiate, follow the urge, do this thing, try this out. Then I was like, the mind was like, do I actually do this? Do I not do this? Do I go back to it? Do I not go back to it? And then it was like, once I just followed the what the body kept telling me, now I'm like, oh, this actually, my body's so happy and it's so thrilled to be in this position. So anyways, that's why I find exactly what you're saying about the magnetic monopole and kind of anchoring into the g center essentially and the wisdom of it um to be very powerful and comforting where the mind wants to think that it knows what to do and not to do mm-hmm.
1: and it's almost like the mind tries to abstract because there's no the g center is not an awareness center the mind tries to abstract it to create a sense of identity that's uh, describable to other people that's linguistically i don't know coherent but- yeah location feel location is all like you are where you are you are who you with you're what you're doing like you are this the the abstraction of who I think I am is of no relevance because if we're looking at this too who we are is where we are Mm -hmm. yeah
0: I love that who we are is where we are Yeah. And how, again, just thinking about sitting in that cosmic soup as well, where you're like, it's like who you are is where you are in like connection with people, but it's also within connection to the soup. And that's when that idea of like, for me, when I first heard no choice, I was kind of like, I don't believe that. But then Mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm like, we, I think, in the Western world, especially, have been conditioned to think we are separate from everything. And if the energy is always changing, mm-hmm. then I have to trust and believe that if a bird knows to go fly somewhere else because there's a hurricane coming far, far away, um, but there's something in them that's telling them to move, then I have to act I can actually find comfort in this idea of no choice because, the no choice is my body actually telling me it knows exactly what it's doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it so. Magic, this thing. Magic,
1: Magic knows exactly. I have no idea,
0: but this thing seems to know, so. Exactly. I'm going to follow it because I have no other choice <laughs> but to. So
1: I love that we ended up on no choice <laughs> as our main <laughs> topic, actually not the moon.
0: <laughs> I know. Is there anything else you want to share about the moon or that we should... I mean, I'm interested actually, just before we close off about the, cause
1: I've talked a lot about the human design perspective on four, but I'm just interested to see what the gene keys brings in, you know, with intolerance, understanding, forgiveness from like, if we think about four and its position in the, in the Ajna and what I was sort of
0: describing, what is your take on, on four from a gene keys perspective? You know, it's one that I will admit. I haven't gone as deep into mm-hmm. as, uh, other other gene keys that I've had direct experience with I don't have the um an activation within the four but I can speak to my experience of being around people who have the four and I can Mm. speak to how I kind of receive it in those spaces and I will say um you know I think in the shot if I look at it from that shadow perspective there seems to be sort of that deep hunger for understanding. It's, mm-hmm. It really isn't under, it's a, it's a hunger for understanding. And I think yeah, what I think I've actually seen most is the, if there's a four, if the four is activated in like a prominent part of the chart, the idea of where does that thirst for understanding I don't know if inhibit is the right word because I don't think that's correct, but maybe cover up the connection to intuition. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big thing that I've seen with people that I know With the four in a prominent place has been the invitation to move from the thirst for knowing from a mental perspective into the, um, that the word that once comes to me is like the quenching for the soul that comes from the intuitive understanding Mm -hmm. and that ability to be able to use the four as sort of a launch pad for keeping an open mind Mm -hmm. and kind of, I guess the way that I would see it is that understanding that the, the mind is limited in what it can know, but Mm -hmm. the soul is infinite in what it can know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've seen is that shift from needing to know mind mm-hmm. to um understanding that the mind can never fully know and that really the yeah. intuition and the body is the only thing that can know in the yeah. present moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would yeah, I would definitely I can definitely see my own journey through that process, you know. the the yeah and I think you know putting myself in in front of genuine masters genuine people who actually know really know and allowing them just the presence of them to reveal to me my own ignorance and for me to find comfort in that that there are beings who know I love that there are beings that actually know I love that there's a few of them left on this planet, you know, Mm -hmm. these ancient masters who've been through decades and decades and decades of, in the fire of life, in the fire of their own mind, in the fire of their own body. And they really have something worth the, the frequency that is so secure in its knowledge. There's no insecurity in the, in the frequency. And I find that just wonderfully comforting. Like I don't need to be one of those people that knows because there are, some, there are some still here. And I think that's part of the, you know, to speaking of the gates of the cross of the vessel of love, one of the things about the 15, the extremes, is human, humanity is diversity. That's its point, you know. The, the whole purpose is that there's some of us that have absolutely no idea at all and we're utterly, completely ignorant. We've completely forgotten our spiritual connection. We're just totally almost animal dumb you know and there are some beings who at the other end of the spectrum are completely awake yeah yeah and that's wonderful you know and i don't i'm somewhere on the spectrum and it doesn't
0: (laughs) there's i have no ambition to be this dude (laughs) over here sure well and even those those people have been on a journey to wherever there is You know, I've started to just pay attention just as a, it's one eleven, so I feel like this is just an interesting note, is I've really started to pay attention to, again, how my body feels in the presence of different energies. Mm. And even like what you were saying about raw, that people say they could just sit for hours and take no notes and just receive. And the frequency behind the words that are being spoken, I've started to pay a lot of attention to. What words and frequencies ignite friction inside of myself or people's presence that ignites friction? Again, what is there to learn from that? Which is what we kind of started at. Mm. But, um, I don't know. I just, I, I guess, for everybody, as we're kind of talking about this journey of going out and connecting with the moon and just seeing like what is brought up for you, just this I feel and what I feel like these masters have is just presence. It's Mm -hmm. just moving through each moment with a level of presence and feeling and awareness, and whether it's presence to the inside, the outside, the cosmic soup, and just, um, yeah, that was what was coming to me as you were talking about the these masters and these people who know. It's like that that presence is truly what I think is felt, the embodiment of that knowingness Mm -hmm. of all.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, it'd be interesting, like where postulating about the potential impact of the moon in these gates and then then it will happen and then we'll know because <laughs> at the moment i'm just playing mind tennis but yeah if we come back again in a week or two and talk about it then we'll know will not we yes we'll oh, know I what the that. impact was mm-hmm. i love and that. it might be completely different to this Mind tennis game that we're playing right now. Like I actually, it was nothing like what we thought it was gonna be. It was actually much more like this.
0: I know. Sometimes you just have to show up and allow what wants to come through to come through. Mm-hmm. And it will be perfect. So mm. thank you for being Amen. here. Amen. Thank you. We will Jess. we'll round back out later on. We'll we'll come back. We'll do a little check-in and see what happens. Mm. Amazing. All right, everybody. Thank you for being here. Enjoy the moon. We'll see you back here soon. Hey, hey, thanks so much for being here and listening to this episode of the Waking Up with Jess podcast. If you liked today's episode, I'm going to ask you to do one of three things. Number one, leave a rating. Number two, leave a review. And number three, if you think it could help a friend out in need, go ahead and send it to them. I greatly appreciate your support. When you rate the podcast or leave a review, it helps other awesome and amazing listeners such as yourself find the podcast. And I love people and I love friends and I love people's friends. So being able to spread the love through your network is another really great way to support people and to support the show. All right, y'all make it a great day. And I will see you back here on the next episode of the waking up with Jess podcast.